John chapter 14. John 14. And let's take a moment and pray before we get into the Word. Father, thank you tonight, once again, now for every person. Thank you for your Spirit who's in us and among us. Thank you that you show us things to come. You open our eyes to see and give us ears to hear. We ask you now for the Word for the hour, the message for this time. Thank you for utterance and boldness in the Spirit and for every good thing that comes down from above. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, if you remember, we're teaching on these uh, night services on the glory of God, right? The glory of God. Of course, we had a little break there, so we got to get everyone back up to speed and uh, get us in the right place because re- we've really been building something here, and, uh, and I'm expecting things to continue to increase more and more. And so John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus said, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. How do you know if you love God? If you, if you do what he says, okay, if it's not very important, that is a revelation to, uh, to you, to him, of how much you really love him, okay, it's not all about a feeling, I mean, no, love's not a feeling, it's not just a goosebump that you get, uh, it, it's about obeying him, it's about, it's about caring what God says more than anyone else or anything else in life. He said, and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Amplified said, reveal, manifest myself. It'll, he also said, I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. And so this is what we're talking about in the glory of God, the manifest presence of God. We're, we are able to clearly see God. Okay, said so Bible said no one has seen him. Well, it's true. No physical, no human eye can look into the face of the Father. But obviously, people have seen Jesus, <laughs> and, and 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 many of us have seen manifestations of the glory of God. Okay, because we find out, for example, in John chapter eleven, where Jesus said, "Did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God?" That spoke of Lazarus being raised from the dead, and so we know miracle power. Raising of the dead, the healing of the sick. Really, there are so many things that would be considered the glory of God. Have you ever seen the glory of God? I have, but I know there's more to see. And, uh, and that's one of the key things that we are to pray. Do you know that when we pray, what are we supposed to be asking for? I tell you, one of the biggest things is that the Lord would open the eyes of our understanding. It is, is, is we are to pray and seek for uh, understanding, for wisdom, for revelation knowledge. Not so much that God would do something, but that we would be able to see and readily understand what He has done and what He's doing so we can cooperate with Him. Okay, We'll come back to that a little bit, uh, a little bit later. But you can read over in Romans chapter 6, the Bible even says that Jesus uh, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. And so what raised Jesus from the dead? The glory of God. And so as we've been studying this glory, you see, man, this is something that it it comes second to nothing when you understand what's involved with it. I want the glory of God to be stronger as far as in manifestation in my life and in this church. I read too many. You you can go all the way back and read. Of course, we read about the book of Acts, but even in somewhat modern history, you can go back in the 1700s and read about uh, some of the things that God was doing over here in the United States and over in England and some of the uh, some of the old time ministers that would preach and as they preached the gospel conviction would fall on people so strong sometimes uh, many times they would start falling out 
just preaching and could be, sometimes they'd be standing in fields and they'd have these meetings outside and, and, and these preachers would preach and people would start falling. You know, no ushers, no line. They'd just start dropping like flies because they were so overcome by the presence of God. And, and it's interesting when you, when you hear some of the things that happen. Sometimes when they were having evangelistic type meetings, you know, there was a whole lot of sinners there, a whole lot of people who weren't saved yet. Sometimes it said they would cry out so loud that they drowned out the preacher. What, are they, what do you mean cry out? They're crying out for, for mercy, they're crying out for God to have mercy on them. It was such a strong conviction. They realized, man, I am lost. I am, you know, I'm headed for a devil's hell here. I need help. You know, it's like in the book of Acts where they, Peter preached and the people cried out and said, what must we do to be saved? Okay, I like that. And I want to see more of that where you don't have to kind of convince people. They come to you after the Spirit of God is in such strong manifestation. They come under such heavy conviction that they're coming to us saying, what do I got to do? Man, I got to do something. And, uh, you know, as we've been talking about that, I don't have this happen too too often, but... But even, even recently, uh, just a few weeks ago in this service, we're talking about the glory of God, and God was just coming in nice and, and thick in manifestation. But I think in this particular service, we didn't have a, a, a typical salvation altar call. And, uh, but after the service, someone came up to me and said, what do I need to do? They said, I want, they said I've never been saved. And I thought, good, this is, is going to be normal around here. Not that we're going to stop doing altar calls, but I mean, I'm just talking about where you don't even bring it up necessarily as far as an evangelistic message, but God's presence come in and people realize, I'm lost. Man, there's something wrong here. I've got to get my life right with God. I want that. Not because someone's condemning them or beating them up and telling them you're a dirty rat. You know, you're just, you're, you're going to hell. But they, you know, you get in the presence of God and you recognize there's his standard of glory and there's me. And that's true for every person on the planet until they come into forgiveness of sins and redemption through Christ. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I like that. I want to see more of this. I know God has called you. He has called me to preach the gospel to every creature. Every person who's saved got a responsibility. It's our assignment. Why don't we do it with full power? Why don't we tackle this assignment, this eternal God assignment in every one of our lives with full demonstration of God in our lives? Amen. Miracles, signs, and wonders, and strong convicting power to the sinner. Praise God. That's so you don't have to convince them afterward. You know, you've got to come to church now. How many have ever gotten someone saved and that was how you had to follow it up? I have. I mean, I thought they were genuine, led them to the Lord. But to get them in church, that's a whole other thing. You know, it's like you need to get saved again. And you wonder, didn't this take? You know? We need to take you under the water a couple times. What, what, do we, what do we need to do here to see some follow through? I believe a greater manifestation of God's glory makes a big difference. And some dramatic conversions. Praise the Lord. Go to Luke chapter 24 with me. Uh, let me remind you of some of these things that we that we had said. Of course, I can't go back and say everything, uh, but these messages are available to you on CD or on our website for free, and uh, you can get caught up. But you remember we spent some time talking about how God is holy and how He must be regarded as holy by us who approach Him and come near to Him and draw near to His throne, uh, and so we must recognize. 
that there's a difference between church and golf club. I'm not talking about the actual club. I'm talking about like an organization. (laughs) Uh, There's a difference between country club. Thank you. That might be a better way to say it. Uh, the difference between the things of God and other things that we do in life. This sh- doesn't take anything away. Your job's important. Your family time's important. No question. There are things that you do. Country club could carry a level of importance. But l- let's be clear about this. The business of God far exceeds anything natural that we do in life. And when you have that in order, everything else has a possibility of following into its right place. You'll golf better. You'll uh, <laughs> have a better family life. You'll have a better time on, on your job and whatever you do. It'll all, it'll all be affected by that. But let's let this be clear that the things of God are holy. He is holy. When I approach Him, that's not a joking matter. Okay? Doesn't mean we don't have fun and joke because God's a funny God. <laughs> He's got a sense of humor. But we still treat Him as holy. We treat His people as holy. Remember, I don't, I don't despise or lightly esteem someone or something that God has called holy. And that's his people. So we've got to take that serious. You know, I, I take his word as holy. It's very important what God has said. Have high respect and high regard for that. Okay. I take his ordinances, what he has established for me as a believer, as a child of God to do. I take that very serious. I don't back off from what he said. And what this is doing, and we talked about some of those things in in much more detail, but what this is doing is it's setting an atmosphere in our hearts. It's creating a heart in us where we can handle and we, I don't know how to say that, you know, we have the proper respect that God deserves and it's what He will manifest in. Because of the principle that we stated many times, you don't give what's holy to dogs. Or cast your pearls before swine. With the right heart, you're prepared to see a greater manifestation of God's glory. Oh, and it can happen. Oh, it can, It's happening already, but it can happen to a greater degree in your life. Amen. It can happen in your car. A friend of mine was talking to a guy. Uh, one time he wanted to be filled with the Spirit. Let me just take this side journey for a moment. He wanted to be filled with the Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Remember Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Remember that's in the Bible? Yeah. And and this person came and he wanted that experience, wanted to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And and the friend of mine said to him, uh, or endeavored to pray with him and minister to him and he prayed with them but this person was having trouble receiving how many know there's a giving side and there's a receiving side it's not difficult to receive but sometimes people's heads get in the way or something's going on and uh, and he wasn't receiving at that moment as they prayed and so what my friend told him he said uh, you're about to get on this particular freeway to go home he had to drive a little ways like maybe 30 45 minutes maybe longer i don't remember uh, but a little ways he had to drive. He said, here's what I want you to do. Because he knew from the time he got on the freeway to the time he connected to this other, actually this other freeway, uh, that there would be a significant amount of time there. And he told him, I want you to, from the time you get on the freeway, I want you to say, when I hit this other freeway in this exchange over here, 
when I hit that area, I will be filled with the Spirit and I will speak in other tongues. He said, just continue to say that. What was he doing? He was preparing the guy's heart. And, uh, you know, I, I had a, I remember a situation years ago. I was talking with a, a, a teenager, and he wanted to be baptized in the Spirit. And I said, cool, that's great. I'll, let me pray with you. And, I, and uh, I started talking with him. I was about ready to pray, and I could tell. And he was kind of nervous about it. He was, he was like, and I said, what's going to happen? He said, well, I hope I'm going to do that. And, and, and I said, well, listen, let's, we don't have to be in a hurry here. I said, let's just take a minute. And I had to actually go speak with someone else. And I, I said, just sit here for a moment. And I, said, I had some scriptures written on a, on a card. I said, I want you just to read these. Just think about these for a few minutes. Just let these get established in your heart. When I come back, then we'll, then we'll, uh, then we'll pray. And, and so I, I left for a few minutes, and when I came back, uh, he, was, he was there, and I said, are you ready? He said, yep. He was still a little bit nervous, and I don't mean it all went away, but he was a little bit nervous. I said, well, what's going to happen when we pray? He said, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit, and I'm going to speak in tongues. Yeah. <laughs> I said, yes, you are. <laughs> I said, good. And so I, we just did. We prayed. I just laid my hands on him, and the power of God just went whammo. And he just got instantly filled, fluently, just flowing out of him, speaking in a heavenly language. And it was just glorious. He had an experience with God. I'm confident that if I'd have pushed it too soon, he probably wouldn't have been ready. And, uh, and, and, that's, and that's all right. It doesn't mean that God failed him. You can still get it the next time or the next day or however, many, uh, however long it takes you to uh, prepare your heart. But usually it just takes a few minutes. Anyway, this guy was riding on the freeway, and so he started saying that over and over again. He just started saying, when I get to this uh, intersection over here, this junction, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit, and I'm going to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives me utterance. And, uh, and he got to that place, and he, he'd been saying that for a while. He went on that turn, got on the other freeway, and he thought, <clears throat> nothing happened. He thought, he thought nothing happened, and then as soon he started, he, as soon as he went to say something, he went to say like, I don't know if he went to say like, how come it didn't work or something like that. The very moment he opened his mouth, maybe he was just going to say it again, just like that, God's presence filled his car. And just all of a sudden, he was filled with the Spirit, and it, started, it just started rolling out of him, and he was baptized in the Spirit just like that. Praise God. I, I don't know why I bring that up. Just kind of come up in my heart, just remembering. But I think about people experiencing God in the car. That's a good place to experience God. <laughs> you can have a glorious time wherever you'll give your thoughts and your heart and your time and attention to the things of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And it can be in a car. It can be in a church, church building. It can be in your home. And, uh, you know, sometimes people say, I've never experienced anything like that. I, uh, you know. Is that something I should have? It is something you should have. Listen, I know there are people out there today that will, will teach you that these things are passed away. And there are others who will say that it's just not for everybody. But, you know, I'm not going to agree with either of those people because then all three of us would be wrong. And <laughs> wouldn't it be a tragedy if everyone was wrong? And, uh, and listen, these things are for today. They're for everybody. Amen. And Acts chapter 2 said they were all filled. And they all spoke with other tongues. It wasn't just for some and others it wasn't for. Okay. It's for everybody. It's for you and it's for me. It was a glorious time that I, I didn't plan on talking about this, but 
we'll just go. If you're going to get mad, then you're going you're to get mad sooner or later anyway. Might as well get it over with. <laughs> get you on up to the next thing. <laughs> I don't believe in having church splits, so we just chip you off little by little. <laughs> But really, nothing, nothing said with any intention of offending anyone. We love you, but, we, but I'm going to stay with the Word. I'm going to stay with what the Lord has promised. Uh, praise the Lord. Praise God. Now, what was I saying? <laughs> no, before that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, these things are for everybody. Absolutely for everybody. The one scripture that says, you know, in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, do all speak with tongues? And the answer is, the implied to answer there is no, because of, of the questions surrounding it, you know it's no. It's not talking about the same thing. You gotta, we, have, we have to read the scripture in context. And, uh, and it's not talking about an individual believer speaking in tongues. It's talking about a ministry. Okay, it's talking about tongues and interpretation, really. And, and, and so people take scriptures like that out of context, uh, basically to explain why they have no power in their life. All right. I'm never going to go that way. Where if I, whatever, if I pray for something or if I try to minister to someone and I don't get the desired results, I don't get to invent a new, a new doctrine. I don't have the right to go ahead and say, oh, well, maybe in some cases God in his mysterious ways or, you know, and, and people have come up and they've looked for scriptures and they twist them to try to come up with a new doctrine to validate their lack of power. I'm just under the impression that if something's not happening, it's not because God has changed. It's not because His Word doesn't work. I'm just going to be real quick to think, all right, what adjustment do I need to make so that I can experience the fullness of Him? Amen. Let me me just skip on down. Well, you don't know my notes, but let me skip on down to the end. (laughs) Because I wanted to to say some of these other things, uh, but I might as well just say them now. Um, when we pray, it's very important that we don't, that we're not continually asking God to do things that really are not in His hand to do. Things that He has already turned over to us. Sometimes people pray for things and it's almost with the attitude that, you know, I really want God to move. I really want the Lord to... to, to save people and heal people and do all these things but for some reason I can't convince him to do it now they would never articulate it that way but in reality isn't that kind of the attitude that we must have if I'm continually praying for a for God to move I'm continually asking God to to pour out his spirit on me I'm continually asking for revival I'm continually asking him to do something and nothing's happening. I've got to believe I must want this way more than he does. And I've got to tell you, there's nothing further from the truth. Okay? As much as I want people to be saved and helped and healed and blessed, time's a million. And that's the heart of God. He's the one that came up with this. It was his plan to send Jesus and redeem the world from sin. It wasn't mine. While we were yet sinners, Christ came and died. While we didn't give a rip about God, while we didn't give a rip about anybody else, we're just thinking about our own selfish desires, He came. People were praying for you while you weren't thinking about God. 
These things started with him. And so if I approach uh, my prayer life, my talking to the Lord, as if I really want him to do something, but if I could only get God convinced to want it as much as me. And come on now. People pray that sometimes maybe a child is sick and we have such a heart's desire for that child. We see someone hurting. We want them helped. But if nothing's happening, people think, well, why, God? Why aren't you doing this? You're almighty. You're all powerful. You said in your word that you're good. Why aren't you doing this? Okay. How do we deal with that scenario? If we understand that God is love, He is good, and He never changes, then I must go to this. There's a reason why it's not happening, and it's not because God is withholding His power. Amen. That is never the reason. And if that's not the reason, there are reasons. But I should humbly ask, Lord, not why won't you do it. Lord, what do I not see here? What do I need to understand? Is there an adjustment I need to make? There's obviously something I am not seeing. And you know what? That's a good prayer. I tell you, there's things I don't see. There's a whole lot I don't see. A whole lot you don't see. And so that's a good way to pray. It's a humble way to pray. It's an accurate way to pray. And you're not accusing God in the middle of it. Amen. Not accusing God for, for things not happening. Sometimes I've been, I've been believing for finances and for increased finances in my life. And it's not been happening. Well, listen. I want to tell you, don't act like the Lord's holding it back. You can't approach Him as if He's keeping everything back and keeping you in your tough situation. Don't pray that way. Don't approach Him that way. Say, Lord, help me to see this. You still stand, you know, stand on the promises. Sometimes it's just a matter of standing and believing. But ask the Lord to give you wisdom, give you insight, give you understanding so that you can adjust how you pray and adjust how you do things. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, even when it comes to, comes to a move of God and comes to things like uh, revival, so many people, now don't get mad at me for saying this if you, if you pray this way, and, but I'm just telling you I don't, where I'm, or I'm always praying for revival, trying to get God to, to move and do something special. I really believe this, that you can have a revival if you want to, that you can make a decision and you can have a move of God in your life if you understand what He has already provided, what He has already given, and basically how to operate in it. Jesus said, we must, remember uh, John 9, we must work the works of Him who sent us while it is day, for the night comes when no one can work. What do you mean? I, I must work the works of Him who sent me. There's a working part that I must understand. If I don't know how to work the works of God, I'll not see the works of God. Too many people are praying, Lord, work. Lord, do it. No, you work the works of Him. You do the works of God. And that's not just talking about uh, natural things. Those works, because that was a blind guy who got healed. It's talking about supernatural works. How can you have a move of God? Work the works of Him who sent you. Amen. It's like the guy going over the inner path. How am I going to get filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues? Well, he did his part in expecting. He built his faith up. And it seems what happened was the moment he opened his mouth and let something come out, God filled it. 
Remember Acts 2.4? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. They just began. They just started. That happened with me too. I remember I, uh, this is what I was trying to get back to. <laughs> all that other stuff was just bonus stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I was in a service uh, one time as a teenager, and, uh, and I wanted to be, uh, well, actually, there was someone uh, ministering in this service, and they gave a call to be fill, filled with the Spirit, but the way they did it, they said, how many here have never been filled with the Spirit? And I was sitting down close where people ought to be, and <laughs> sorry about you guys in the back, <laughs> and, uh, and so I lifted my hand because he asked it that way, and I said, well, I haven't. He said, oh, come up here. And, and there was a, a, a number of people, and I thought, ah, oh, I just got tricked. <laughs> I was totally tricked into coming, but uh, once I was up there, I was kind of glad anyway, because I thought, well, I want this. You know, I'm saved, and I haven't been baptized in the Spirit yet, and I, I want to have power. And so they prayed a prayer, and uh, there was a few people up there, and, and everybody started speaking in tongues except me. <laughs> and I looked around, and they were doing it, and I thought, what's going on here, man? Nothing's happening. <laughs> and Because uh, I really... I didn't have any edu- any understanding at all. Therefore, no faith. You don't have faith without knowledge. And uh, and so I was kind of disappointed. They did. I didn't. I thought something would kind of overtake me and overwhelm me. And all of a sudden, I'd kind of sit back and watch myself kind of, you know, take off. And I didn't. And I left. And, and I asked someone who knew more than I did about it. And I said, what's the problem here? How come that didn't work? And they told me, you've got to take a step of faith. You've got to yield. You've got to take a step of faith and speak. I thought, oh, okay. I can do that. <laughs> and so the next time that happened, uh, I lifted my hand voluntarily <laughs> and, uh, and went forward knowing what I was doing. But I had that, that the same thing. I decided when, when they pray, they pray that prayer for me to be filled, I'm going to be filled. So you got to know that ahead of time. That's just it's, it's just called faith, if you want to describe that. But it's just a decision you make. Faith is a decision. And, uh, and I said, I'm going to be filled, and I'm going to speak in tongues, just like everybody else did. And, uh, and, uh, and so what happened? Well, they did, and I did, and do every day since. And, uh, and like Paul said, I speak with tongues more than y'all. <laughs> right? I don't know if I speak in tongues more than you, because I don't know how much you do, but uh, the day go by <laughs> where I don't. It's just a wonderful part of my life, and, and it, it's something that God intended to be an empowerment for believers today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everyone should be baptized in the Spirit. Woo, it's so good. You know, it's the doorway into the other gifts. It's the doorway into other gifts like prophecy and the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom and the discerning of spirits and and. Uh, uh, you know, if you go somewhere that what they don't really practice these things, I tell you what, they're not going to be calling people out either. There's going to be no prophetic words. There's going to be no gifts of healings and uh, working of miracles and, and all those things. Why? Because this is the doorway into all that. Uh, when someone receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's the beginning of living a supernatural life. It's not salvation. We understand that. Jesus is salvation. But this is empowerment for living. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said, you shall receive power. Is that what he said? What, what's the rest of that? If the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and other most, uttermost parts of the world, the earth. And uh, it's something we all should have. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But again, how can, how can we have God moving 
in our lives. How can we have the glory of God manifest? Well, I know some of it we are already establishing here. It's called the proper heart and approach to God. And when we have the utmost respect for Him and what He says and what He does, and we are setting ourselves up for God to say, Hi, <laughs> here I am. Oh, and it's wonderful, and it's powerful. And people, it'll even raise people from the dead and anything under that. Like little wimpy diseases like leukemia. Like little small, minute, with no power, like, like mental retardation. Like little nothing, like heart disease. Just, you know, little tiny nothing. Because that's what it is compared to the glory of God. If we think about these things, we'll stop having, stop having so much respect for disease. Stop, stop, stop giving it so much, ooh, they got, ooh, that's big. That's not big. We've got to get our, our perspective changed. It's not big compared to the Lord, not big compared to God. No, puny, min, minuscule. Have no respect for it. Amen. But I believe that you can have revival in your life by operating in the principles that God has given us. And we decide. I always remember I quote this from time to time because of something that Smith Wigglesworth said. He was a man of faith, had tremendous miracles in his ministry. I mean, outstanding things. Some things that make your you know, hair stick up like, I can't believe he did that. Uh, he, he was just really bold and uh, had miracles. But he said at one point, he said, if God doesn't move me, I move him. And a lot of Christians, we, we go tilt when we hear that. Thing. <laughs> well, you can't move God. Well, he did. Yep. Why? Because God's no respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. And when someone says, absolutely, I'm just going to take what God has given me. I'm going to take his promises and take the anointing that he's placed in, in, in me as a believer. And I'm going to do the works of Jesus. God is pleased with that. And he'll back you up. He'll back me up. Amen. Too many times people are waiting, waiting around for God to move. Waiting around. Well, I'm going to wait to see that glory cloud. Well, I thank God for the glory cloud. And, you know, what we looked at in the Old Testament, and there's times when the glory cloud can appear. And, and, but I'm not going to wait on seeing a cloud. I'm going to just do the works of Jesus now. If I'll act on what he said to do, he will be there to back it up. He'll be there to perform it. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, how do you start a fire? One little spark. One will say, I'd like to see a fire of God's glory. God's presence going all over the valley here. Going all over the state. Well, light a match. One little spark. What, what does that mean? One person. Light it up. Light it up. <laughs> say, I'm going to have it. Amen. You know, and I, I, see, I see in the scripture, there seems to be a lot of significance uh, to two. There's great power when two people will do something. Jesus said about the prayer of agreement, if two or three would ask in my name, they'd have what they, whatever they, they asked, right? I remember in the Old Testament, remember Samson was a, a judge of Israel. He was, he was anointed by God to, to deliver Israel. And uh, in, that, in those days, the, uh, the Philistines were really harassing God's people. 
and Samson rose up one of the, one day. Uh, this is kind of a you know cruel story, but it's in there. One day, remember what he did? He he grabbed foxes, and he was going to light up their fields and their their produce. And so so he took some. He grabbed a bunch of foxes and he tied their tails together and lit them. And they went spinning around and they went flying through the fields and they burned up all their he burned up all their crops. Okay. You come on into the New Testament. Remember, Jesus did, he did this with the 12. Then he did it with the 70 others. He sent them out two by two. He said, go. Gave them authority. Gave them, authorized them to go to heal the sick and to, and, and to do some amazing things, to cast out demons. Well, there's something really powerful when two people will get together and do the work of God. Yeah, yeah. Amen. And so, so many times, uh, I think what we need to do is, is talk about what the Lord wants to do. Let it be in our conversation. Let it be in our, uh, in our lifestyle. Not just when we show up at church, but we have a, such a holy respect for God that He's always with us and He's always for us. And He's what we're thinking about. He's what we want to uh, have, have happen. We want, we want to have Him moving in our lives more than anything else. Praise the Lord. Look with me at Luke chapter 24. Did I tell you to go there? Praise the Lord. Amen. Luke 24 and verse 14. Well, verse 13. This is after Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. What did they do? What should you do when you're with another person, another believer? You should talk. What should you talk about? You should talk about the Lord and what He has done for you and what has happened. And they talked about how the Lord was... was, uh, uh, crucified and uh, they, they talked about what Mary had said and they were talking about all the events that had happened talking about the things of God come on there's a time to talk about of natural stuff not wrong but as a Christian what should be in our in our minds uh, we, we what should you talk about with your kids with your spouse talk about the things of God let it be a primary topic of conversation well, what will happen Well, it says in verse 15, so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Well, what happens when you talk about the Lord? He shows up. Yeah. I mean, this is simply a scriptural principle. What you talk about, you get. When you talk about healing, healings take place. When you, when you talk about the glory of God, what happens? God is glorified, and His glory comes into greater manifestation. And we've seen that already in some of these services we've been doing. Uh, uh, in these night services, we've been talking about the glory of God. And some of you who've been here for, for uh, many of them, you know, we've had times we walk away and, wow, God was in the house. And he's always here, don't get me wrong, but he was in manifestation. They talked about him. 
and he showed up. You ever had that happen? I've had that happen talking on the phone. Where you start talking with someone about the Lord and what he's doing and, and uh, how God's spirit is moving. Start talking about God and all And, and just sitting there like, wow. Ooh, you see that? You feel that? God is here. He starts to manifest. That's what he works with. I've never had that happen, though, when I'm talking about basketball. <laughs> I like to watch some NBA. Nothing wrong with talking about it. Talk about it sometimes. But I've never had God show up. <laughs> you know, we were just talking about the Lakers, and all of a sudden, <laughs> God just really hooked up with us. And No, no. I've got to be talking about the things of God if I really desire that in my life. I want His fullness. I want to have the real deal, the move of His Spirit in my life. I've got to talk about it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. This is a good reason uh, to give testimonies. You know, it's one of the reasons we do these things. You know, I taught on that a while back. The power of a testimony. And uh, you need to talk about when the Lord does things in your life. You know, we like you to turn them in. We read them so everybody can sell. But what, what does that do? It gives God glory. We're publicly declaring that He is God. Publicly making it known that God is at work in our midst. Healing bodies and providing finances and answering prayer and, and giving direction. And, and when these things are happening, we ought to make a big deal about it. Okay, why? It glorifies the Lord. It does. See, what happens too often is people do just the opposite. When something bad happens, they tell everybody. Did you hear what happened to me? Did you hear what happened? I was on the way to, on the way to work and my, my car broke down. I got a flat tire. Got a ticket. You know, I was, I was doing this and, and uh, you know, and they tell all the stories about how everything went wrong. Now, they don't think they're, do they don't, they're not trying to be, a bad person or not trying to take anyone down but we've been conditioned tell what's wrong and if something good happens we don't tell many people that is backward and here's what it does just like one glorifies God you know what the other one does it glorifies the devil when we magnify what's wrong and what's not happening I'm not saying you can't ever talk about something if you need to okay not saying you're uh, Lousy Christian, if you told someone about your flat tire, I'm just saying, let's magnify good things. Let's make a big deal about what God does, even if it seems real small. Let's talk about it. God healed my, my ang nail. Right? Praise God! Well, well, didn't your car blow up? Oh, yeah, but whatever. I heard your dog died. Yeah, whatever, you know. So that's a big deal. I know, but I don't want to glorify the devil. Amen. And listen, you'll find this happen in church. Where people make such a big to-do about demonic forces. Such a big thing about demonic power. And about how the devil's working in the earth today. And how the earth is going to hell in a handbasket. And, and all kinds of people. Listen. Okay, we can, you know, talk about that little if something bad. But let's quick get to the answer. Yeah. Quick get to the solution. Why? That glorifies God. That's what He shows up in. If we spend, you know, 30 minutes talking about the problem and then at the end say, well, Jesus is Lord, you're not going to have a manifestation of God's glory. 
Are you listening? He doesn't ride on the problem. But he does ride on the answer, the solution. He rides on the glorification of, of what he's done. Amen. You know, I knew some guys years ago, and it seemed like, you know, I was just learning uh, stuff myself, but they always seemed to be talking about the devil. And, and they had a zeal for God, but uh, they were just going in the wrong direction. I can remember them talking about how, how they'd go a certain place and said, he'd just say, I just walked into the room there and I sensed the power of the devil. And I thought, well, I'm not saying you couldn't do that. I guess you could sense something like that. But why are you always talking about that? Okay. You know, it's like sometimes Christians talk about how the devil said to me. I was just going along and the devil told me this. Do you really know him? I mean, how did you know it was him? And I realize we can know by deduction because, you know, he says things contrary to God. But I'm not really hearing the devil's voice too much. Because I'm his sheep. And so I hear his voice. The voice of a stranger I don't follow. So I want to encourage you. If we want to see more of the glory of God. That's God's presence manifest in our lives. In our services. We've got to magnify what the Lord has done. It can't just be a big harping on things that are wrong. Even in people's lives. You know I know this as a pastor. One of my responsibilities. Is at times. I'm supposed to bring correction if things are going wrong and I have to teach the word and the word will correct things that are wrong but it's my full intention to never make that the biggest thing I want to talk about what the Lord has done talk about grace talk about mercy talk about truth talk about his sacrifice how he's been raised from the dead and in in that what do we see that we're going to see God be glorified God be magnified and, and when, when he's glorified that's when his glory manifests that's, that's the atmosphere that that creates praise the Lord amen and so faith does come by hearing you remember and if we talk about negative things what is that? well faith in that comes you talk about the devil what happens? faith comes by hearing you know not everything needs cast out either not everything's a spirit. Where every time, uh, every time something bad happens, I've got to cast that out. No. You know, your neighbors would appreciate you if you were more normal. You know. So what are you doing to the, the frame around your door? <laughs> I'm just applying the blood of Jesus. Well, quit. You're not in Egypt, man. There's no death angel coming to your house to destroy the firstborn. You know, I, I don't anoint my cars with oil. I know some, because why do you say, why do I say that? Well, because I know people who have. Because <laughs> they had older cars or something, and so they, they pour oil on them. You know, I'd really take it to a mechanic if I were you. <laughs> You know, you can believe God and, and, you know, for things to last longer than normal. But the Bible really doesn't speak about anointing your cars with oil. Okay? That is something you can do for the sick. But not, but I, not everything's a spirit. Not, not, not every time something goes wrong in your life or someone comes against you or a person is doing you wrong, do they need the devil cast out of them? You realize that a lot of times it's just the flesh. 
I know some, a lot of the problems I've had in my life, it wasn't God and it wasn't the devil. It was just me. It was just I was acting like a baby. You know, I was acting carnal and yielding to the flesh and I wanted to have my own way. And, you know, when you act that way, problems come. Amen. That's not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, not to be ignorant of a spiritual realm. We do have authority that we're supposed to operate in. We do use the name of Jesus. But uh, I think we need to, we, again, I'm just, they talked about the Lord and he showed up. Praise the Lord. And I got more to say on that, but amen. I'll probably say it another time. We'll just, because then we don't get a chance to repeat all this. <laughs> amen. Talk about the Lord and he comes. What do you mean he comes? He manifests. He rides on that stuff when you talk about him. Praise God. Let's all stand up tonight. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father God, we thank you tonight for being in, in us, for being in our midst. We just glorify your name. We honor and bless you for you are good. Your name is great. Your mercy endures forever. You are faithful to us in every way. And Lord, we just give all honor, all praise, all glory to you. For you deserve it. You deserve the glory. <laughs> And the honor. All praise be to you. We give you glory and honor. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your name. Oh, praise God. Let's sing that song we were singing earlier.